Welcome to the Game Plan Podcast with Judah Newby and Brian Perkins, breaking down all things Seahawks. Off to London for another game of Seattle Seahawks football, Wembley Stadium, home away from home, as the Seahawks take on the Raiders ahead of their bye week. The fighting Chuckies against the fighting Pete's. We'll see who comes out on top. <laughs> Hopefully it's a matchup in favor of Seattle. We'll dive into it a little bit right now in the Game Plan Podcast. He's Brian Perkins. I'm Judah Newby. And Perkins, uh, this one won't have the luster of a lot of other games on the NFL schedule. It's the first London game of the year in the league. 10 a.m. on Fox. Seahawks favored by three. Won't be getting a lot of betting action and Certainly won't uh, draw the type of attention that the game last week did against the Los Angeles Rams. But we were talking earlier this week, this is a game Seattle must have. They must have in order to stay relevant this season, particularly going into their bye week. They want to make sure that they're within striking distance of of something, whether it be a playoff berth or whether it be, you know, something of relevance. To be three and three is a lot different than being two and four. Oh, without a doubt. And and given the way they played against the Rams last week, looking at their upcoming schedule, I mean, this is a must-win game. These are the types of games against, you know, top to bottom, Seattle is a more talented team than the Raiders. And and uh, regardless of conditions and travel uh, and how pretty it might or might not look, <laughs> this is a game that you're right. If Seattle wants to at all be in the playoff conversation at the end of the year, these are the types of game you have to win. And it's funny because, you know, the NFL is basically like four seasons in one season, right? We're like kind of in phase two now of the NFL season. We're in the, uh, the the second quarter, if you will. But that being said, there's always that game you look back at at the beginning of the year, or the first month or two months of the season. and You go, man, if they just would have won that game, they'd be in the playoffs. If they just would have won that game, they would have had home field advantage. If they just would have won that game, so on and so forth. And this is one of those games where you, if you look back and go, man, man, they should have won that game. Uh, I, I feel like it was that way with uh, Washington a couple years ago when well, Kirk Cousins last year, came, last year when yeah. Kirk Cousins came to town, seventeen fourteen, and that was one of those games. Man. The Skins were not a good football team, and you lose that game, and and that's kind of how it feels a little bit with this game as well. Even though it is in London, a factor that is a bit of a wild card given that Seattle has never played over there. Start with some uh, news and notes here. Let's see. Well, first of all, they call it training out in UK. They don't call it practice. There was a photo snapped of Doug Baldwin and Pete Carroll throwing the ball to each other at the Grove Hotel in Watford, England, during the open part of training. During training. During training. So beautiful. Did they partake in fitness? Yes, and tea and crumpets afterwards. Um, injury report. <laughs> We're K- really stupid. KJ Wright and Rasheem Green will not play against the Oakland Raiders. Nick Vanette sat out of Wednesday's practice, but Pete Carroll said he's fine. Don't know KJ Wright again, which means Shaquem Griffin thrust back into the starting lineup. Yeah, KJ Wright is becoming an issue. I, I mean, this was something we thought might be uh, two, three weeks into the season. We're now heading into week what six, mm-hmm. and uh, he is still not back. I mean, I would expect that they're just holding him off till after the bye, and then uh, he'll come back healthy. And uh, Ed Dixon, I think, is eligible. Uh, after this after week, this yeah. week well, as after well. The bye, then, yeah. So you know, maybe you get both of those guys back in the lineup, which you know Dixon would help a lot with depth. Yeah. At uh, at the tight end position with Disley going down, but uh, 
No KJ Wright has been an issue, especially given uh, you know the suspension uh, with Kendricks, who was playing pretty well uh, when he was brought in, controversially so. Pete Carroll was disappointed that he did get a suspension, but um, you know injuries have been an issue for Seattle early this season. A lot of turnover on the roster. That being said, the offensive line has, for the most part, stayed healthy, except for a banged-up uh, Ethan Posick, who ends up losing, really, his starting role. We'll dig into that a little bit more later on as well. Uh, Seahawks go over to London on Wednesday. Eight-hour flight, or nine-hour flight, I believe. Shaquille Griffin said he got about six hours of sleep, uh, which is nice. But they go over about a day, a day and a half earlier than the Oakland Raiders, which I found interesting. And John Gruden had comments this week about how uncomfortable he is with the uh, flight out to London, how he's really concerned about that. You know, parse that, if you will, but I don't know. I, I'm i not sure if it means anything, but I'm glad the Seahawks are going out there early and getting ready. Yeah, he was complaining, it, it seemed like, Gruden a little bit in some of the questions. And he comes off as such a freaking curmudgeon, man. Senile. Like, I don't want to travel, and we're going to watch grainy footage from, like, the 70s to, to craft our game plan this offseason. It's like, dude, get with it. Like, you're traveling on a freaking, like, private jet to London yeah. like calm down I, I don't know it does come off a little bit uh, as kind of like he's just being a little bit petulant but you know does that translate to the rest of the team are they kind of in I don't want to be here type of mode and definitely if you if you can't embrace the situation that you're in how are you going to be ready to play on Sunday they won't be they're going to get killed Cam Chancellor has been around with the Seahawks <laughs> as well. A little foreshadowing my prediction. Cam Chancellor is with the team in London, and he's been spending time with them all season long. It's just nice to have that presence around. Yeah, and, you know, uh, McDougal has filled in really well, right, mm-hmm. uh, in his stead with— Probably the best defensive player for Seattle besides Swags. Yeah, and I would argue he's had more memorable plays than Wagner has. Because I think Wagner covers up a lot of blemishes. Oh, he does. Wagner's like see. like your guy that's like constantly <laughs> just putting out fires. Like yeah. <laughs> just left that's what and Earl right. used to do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, uh, you know, it, it's cool to see Chancellor there. You know, he really just brings that attitude, right? Like he, he's one of those guys that set the tone for Seattle during that era. And it's good to see that while he's at least still getting paid by the franchise, that he's still able to have an impact on these guys, even if he can't play. All right, time for the matchup zone here on the Game Plan Podcast. Each of us pick three matchups on the field that we're looking forward to. I'll go ahead and go first, and it's the coaches, really. I think these are two really iconic coaches for different reasons. Of course, John Gruden with his time with the Oakland Raiders, part of that tuck rule game, losing the divisional round in Foxborough, and then winning a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Raiders. Then going to the broadcast booth for 10 years, being one of the more iconic Monday night broadcasters in history. Now he's back in with the uh, with the Raiders, who are struggling along the way, 1-4 and four so far this year, struggling to finish games late as well. Against Pete Carroll, who has, you know, national championships in college, has a Super Bowl, has two NFC titles, and is iconic in both sports. Pete Carroll against John Gruden in London. That piques my interest, and really it all comes down to this. Who has their team ready to play? That's it. It's not really anything strategic on the field. But we foreshadowed it a little bit earlier. John Gruden talking negatively about going out over to London. Will he have his team ready to play or not? I have more faith that Pete Carroll will have his team ready to play in this type of environment, in this type of stage, than John Gruden. It's interesting because you're talking about two teams that late in games have not been able to close out a lot of those decisive games. And you're right, the coaching staff is obviously a big factor in that, right? The decision-making they make down the stretch, that'll be fun. For me, I, I'm not necessarily smelling blowout. I'm smelling ugly. 
just given the travel and and the conditions and the did, way these two teams play. Did you shower before you came here? <laughs> well, that's debatable as well. Are you smelling ugly? <laughs> so with that, I think that the kicking game is going to be big. And and if you don't know, the Raiders have had a very turbulent off season and regular season so far kicking. First of all, Matt McCrane, heard of him? Heard of him? I have not. He's a 24-year-old kicker who was signed two weeks ago, is now their kicker. Eddie Pinheiro was supposed to be their original kicker, injures his groin uh, right before the regular season. So they bring in Mike Nugent, who gets injured in week three. It's kicking on that infield dirt, throws him off. Yeah. It's got to be. It's, it must be something with that. So McCrane comes in the last two games, four of seven, with a long of 44. And not only that, but their, their holder also went down in towards ACL. In week three, Andrew DePaola. So we're talking about a <laughs> kicking game laugh. that has just been insane. Uh, you know, in Seattle, I mean, obviously Janikowski had that really bad game uh, in Arizona where he missed several field goals, but then was able to, uh, you know, obviously right the ship. He kicks the game winner, and then it's looked uh, good in the game since, right, against uh, against the Rams. He looked good. But I do think that that is going to uh, be a pretty big matchup in this game. I think kicking will matter. My next one, we're going to see a familiar face. Boy, is this going to be something or what? Marshawn Lynch, the starting running back of the Oakland Raiders. He's averaging 4.3 yards a carry this year. He has three touchdowns and averaging 66 yards a game. Beast mode on his third different team of his NFL career, of course, was traded to the Seattle Seahawks week six of the 2010 season from the Buffalo Bills. It goes without saying the impact that he had on this franchise. Arguably... Oh, the best Seahawk of all time. Um, one of the fan base's most favorite players ever with a bit of a less than amicable, not breakup. I mean, he chose to retire, sat out a little bit, and then came back. I mean, what guys do that? But seeing him on the opposite sideline will be weird, but nothing but love for that guy. And he has nothing but love for a lot of the guys on the Seahawks as well, I think, including Bobby Wagner. And that's the matchup I'll be looking at. How many times does B-Wags and Marshawn go helmet to helmet? It'll be a lot of fun to watch that. Isn't this a conflicting uh, emotional uh, feeling for Seahawks fans? It, it's hard because I want Marshawn Lynch to be successful. I think he's a Hall of Famer, but I also think he needs to pad his stats a bit more to uh, to, to get there, I think, uh, just given you know his relationship with the media and, and a few other things that are, that are uh, a bit silly, in my opinion, off the field. But, man, like... Watching Marshawn do like Beastquake 3.0 on the Seahawks would just be so painful, you know? I mean, it's just, ah, man. It's tough seeing him in another uniform because he's my favorite Seahawk of all time. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's definitely going to be hard to watch on the field, at least for me. My other matchup, Derek Carr versus Shaq Griffin and Flowers. You know, Carr, it's funny. Uh, Carr has not played very well this season so far. He has eight interceptions, which is most by a Raiders quarterback through five games since Jim Plunkett had nine in 1982. Wow. He's turned over the ball quite a bit in this game, so far this season. But the team is still sixth in passing yards per game. Okay, so they're still slinging it down the field. And Seattle's always kind of had that bend-don't-break mentality, force a turnover here or there. So can this young secondary now with Earl Thomas out, can Flowers, can Shaq Griffin make some plays? Obviously, I mean Shaquille Griffin make some plays at the cornerback position, and turn Derek Carr over. And if they can do that, we're going to see a lot of success for Seattle. Yeah, Carr's best game was that one against the Broncos when he went 29 of 32. (laughs) 91% completion percentage. 
They lost that game, though, when he had one touchdown and no picks. Amazing. 29 for 32, and he, he threw for under 300 yards in that game. Yeah, you got to get the ball down the field a little bit more. My last one is uh, going to be Russell Wilson played pretty well, of course, against the L.A. Rams, but he'll be relied upon. I, you know, I want to see if he can put on a show for the London, for the London fans. He's always kind of cognizant of, of that aspect. A big game mentality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, of course, though the priority will be on running the football, I think especially away from home, even though it's not a true road game, it is well away from home, so you want to run the football. But I think Russell will have in the back of his mind, hey, let's put on a show. You know, let, let's get uh, some backyard football going, some Doug Baldwin, you know, shots down the field, some rollouts out of the pocket, test the discipline of the Raiders' defense, which I don't think is great. Anyway, uh, I'm looking for a big game from Russell as he goes up against the uh, Oakland defensive line, which includes Bruce Irvin, you know, another former Seahawk that's made a home in Oakland. Yeah, Bruce Irvin maybe not doing his job as well as uh, they want him to, uh, along with the rest of that D-line. This is an opportunity for Wilson to make hay. This is a team that only has five sacks Mm -hmm. this season, which is tied for worst in the NFL. Which is weird because they have Khalil Mack. Oh. Oh. I had to join the park. Pile on when you can. Pile on when you can. Also, no takeaways from this uh, defense. Only five so far this season, which is tied for third fewest. Do they miss Ken Norton? Possibly. He struggled when he was there, but man, without him, they're doing poor. They are. And, and, you know, they've had some injuries in the secondary, which which has made life a little bit difficult for them as well. But one place that they're a little bit stronger is in the run defensive game. Not that they're great by any measure. They're about middle of the pack. They're 12th in the NFL in rushing yards per game at 108. They've allowed 11 rushing touchdowns. With his tie, which is tied for 13th. So they're kind of middle of the pack in the league, but that's my third matchup. I want to see what Chris Carson and Mike Davis can do against this Raiders D line. You know, you have Rucker in there, you have Bruce Irvin. You know, what can these guys do um, against uh, that, you know, that, that defensive front? Because I think that with Seattle's identity of running the football, if Russell Wilson's slinging it, play action, he's making some big plays because the pressure just isn't there and the O line's playing better. You're right. This game could get blown wide open if they can really establish the run like they did last week against the Rams. It's time for Remember When on the Game Plan Podcast. Well, these two teams are longtime former rivals in the AFC West division, which is funny. You know, if you still play Madden 2006 to this day, like I do, you will see that they still consider the Seahawks rival to be the Raiders. It pops up on Mike Holmgren's Seahawk profile. Like, who are your rivals? It's like the Raiders. It's like, <laughs> oh, not really, but okay. Uh, we'll, we'll let you yeah, have Yeah, they were it. like, what, eight years removed at that point from... <laughs> yeah. Go, I mean, so, so many remember wins, but I think arguably the most iconic game of when these two were in the same division is the 1987 game, Bo Jackson against Brian Bosworth, the peak of, of Boz around that era, and here comes Bo Jackson making headlines as one of the greatest athletes of his era and course ultimately any era and Bo Jackson in the second quarter of this Monday night football game national televised audience in the kingdom in Seattle against the boss second quarter 91 yard touchdown run to the house and he runs down the tunnel his teammates follow him I mean that's one of the more iconic runs really of all time and it happened in the kingdom and it was only to be perhaps outdone by a, a similar iconic play of when he Bowled into Brian Bosworth on a goal line carry at about the two and a half yard line and carried the boss into the end zone for another touchdown on his way to a Monday night football record, 221 rushing yards. Third down and six at the nine. 
And Bo Jackson to the 20 and out in front. And only one man no to chance. beat and easily can't run him down. He had the angle, but there goes Bo. And nobody catches Bo. Touchdown. <laughs> he may not stop yep. the Tacoma. <laughs> He's gone. Portland. <laughs> he just went by Spokane. And there go the Raiders in the final. <laughs> what a scene. <laughs> Come on back, guys. Oh, he was flying. Third and sixth. You'll see Dean Moraldi, the center, pull out of there. Steve Wright, the right tackle, but, I mean, it's over right there. Kenny easily has the angle, and it's like little kids chasing a grown man. It's the longest run in Raider history. Yes, it is a negative memory of sorts, but it's an iconic one when you think of the Seahawks-Raiders rivalry. It is. I mean, the Seahawks, how much news did they make when they signed the Boz, right, in the uh, supplemental draft? and. They, uh, you know, a guy with a ton of personality. And the thing was, is Bosworth was talking a ton of junk about how he was going to shut down Bo Jackson. And when you watch that 90-yard run, if you if you look very carefully, you'll see a glimpse of a, a wild Bosworth trying to make a tackle <laughs> on Bo Jackson and not even coming close, can't even come close to keeping pace with him. And I think that that play in the end zone, you know, it's not really a truck stick type play, right? He doesn't really, he doesn't just run him over, you know, mano y mano like it's maybe talked about, but because of the trash talk that Bosworth had leading up to it, and he's not able to make that tackle after colliding with him on the two-yard line, that's what we talk about to this day. So you're right. Not exactly a positive memory, but honestly, who's stopping Bo Jackson? I mean, he's like one of the greatest athletes of all time. What about your remember when? 2014. uh, Pretty recent. The last time these two teams played, I was at that game up at CenturyLink Field, and uh, I remember Seattle was was had a pretty comfortable lead. One of my uh, closest friends is a big Raiders fan, so we were talking a lot of trash. And <laughs> then all of a sudden, the Raiders start making a comeback. And I'm like, oh, crap. I'm not going to hear the end of this if they blow this lead. And then Bruce Irvin, of all people, <laughs> ironically, makes a big play. I think it's a pick six or a fumble return. I, I couldn't. I think it was a pick six. And I remember that Bruce Irvin play early in that game. And, and I'll tell you what, that kind of set the stage. But then... Oakland comes back and the crowd's getting antsy and Seattle's able to kick a couple field goals and kind of, uh, you know, uh, ultimately pull away. But that was a nerve wracking game. And one of those just stereotypical, like frustrating Seahawks offensive games where they just look like crap for a large portion of it. You know, there's one additional um, remember when that I, I just came to mind. Was it 2006 a Monday night game against Oakland? I think it was, right? This is the one where Jeremy Stevens got kicked in the balls by Tyler Brayton. You remember this? Yes, I do. Monday night game? I think yes. it was this. Here it was, yeah. That's right. Tyler Brayton, the defensive end for Oakland, need Jeremy Stevens in the uh, genital area in this game. This was a terribly played football game. I hated this game, but it was on Monday night, and um, yeah, a 16 to nothing Seattle win over Oakland in that game, but it's... Maurice Morris, 30 carries for 138 yards. And how about Seattle defensively? Nine sacks in that game. Craig Terrell had three. Yeah. Matt Hasselbeck and Sean Alexander both missed the game with injuries. Craig Terrell had three sacks. So it was Seneca Wallace and Moat Morris leading the Seahawks over the Raiders. 16 nothing, and Jeremy Stevens got one in the sack. <laughs> so there you go. So they had 10 sacks is what you're saying. <laughs> hey <laughs> And that leads us into our favorite segment. It's time for Game Note Theory with Brian Perkins. Oh, featuring Brian Perkins, the the great (laughs) Brian Perkins. So first of all, some Russell Wilson stats for you. Are you nervous at all about this game, Judah? Not even a little bit. And you shouldn't be. Want to know why? Why? Russell Wilson is 26-6 and following a loss in his career. 
So best record since the 1970 merger. Of any Seahawks quarterback? Of any quarterback. That's what I'm talking about. Oh. Feed me. <laughs> also, another uh, another mark in history for Wilson, though this one may be a little bit less. He needs 17 pass attempts to pass Jim Zorn for third. You know, on the I Seahawks would say pass he's going to break it, but uh, this is a yeah. Schottenheimer offense. Yeah. So who the hell knows? They'll get to 16 and they'll bench him. Yeah. Yeah. Wilson needs It'll a- be the reverse Super Bowl 48. They'll, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they'll get to the 40 and be like, let's run. Wilson also needs 113 pass or rushing yards to pass Sherman Smith for seventh on Seattle's all-time rushing list. 113? Yeah. Sherman Smith, the former Seahawks running backs coach when Marshawn Lynch was there, since left to uh, join the church down in Southern California as a pastor. Much love, Sherm! But, man, that'd be sweet if Russell could get a buck 13 <laughs> in this game. Well, I mean, he barely runs the ball anymore. I mean, the, the game plan is so skewed. You wonder if he'll even get that this season, right? I mean, he, he doesn't really keep the ball too much. Bobby Wagner needs 11 tackles to pass Keith Butler for second on Seattle's all-time tackles list. First would be easily? Yeah. Yeah. Boz. It's the Boz. With missed tackles. I don't know who is Hey-o. first all-time on the Seahawks tackling list, but I, I'd say easily. Also, uh, traveling, right? Seattle had to travel 4,800 miles to London. Mm. This team will have traveled 33,684 miles by the end of the regular season. That includes preseason as well. That's most in the NFL. And they're typically in the top three or four, right, every single season. But this London game kind of adds a different element to it. Mm -hmm. By the way, right behind them for most miles traveled this season, want to guess? I will guess the L.A. Rams. Raiders. Oh, really? Yep. I whiffed there. 33,400 miles, 284 miles less. It's almost like the London game skews things. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. How many less? 284 miles less. Oh, that's so it's right. right I mean, they're, back, they're, yeah. it's essentially the same. You know, that's what, freaking like 10 minutes on a plane. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, you know, what's interesting, Philadelphia's in the top five this year mm-hmm. for most miles traveled. Jacksonville is I third. Because Philly, you know, they're a division winner, so they have to play at the L.A. Rams yeah, so again this year like they did last year. And um, With with St. Louis no yeah. longer in the picture, it kind of changes things a little bit for some of those East Coast teams now that yeah. have to face them. They get a taste of their own medicine a little bit. Yeah. come here to the West Coast. It's about time. It's about dang time. That's right. There's your game note theory. Love it. And Pete Carroll has tie, uh, no, he has one more win to tie Mike Holmgren. To tie Mike Holmgren for regular season. Wins. But he's already surpassed him, I think, overall wins. Mm-hmm. Regular season and playoffs. So and by the way, the last eight matchups between the Raiders and Seahawks, win loss, win loss, win loss. Win loss. They've split the last eight. They've split the last eight. And Seattle won their last matchup in twenty fourteen. All right. Time for prediction on this football game. The line was Seahawks three, Seahawks three, Seahawks three. Now it's Seahawks two and a half. You know, if I think about the four different type of outcomes. Big Seahawk win, close Seahawk win, close Raider win, or big Raider win. I would say the most likely is a close Seahawk win or a big Seahawk win than a close Raider win or a big Raider win. So I think the Seahawks are going to win this game. I think they'll run the football well. I think Russell plays well in front of the London crowd, puts on a show. And I think this is somewhere in the ballpark of 31-20 to Seattle Seahawks over the Oakland Raiders. I'm going somewhere in that range as well. I think it's 30-24 to Seattle. Uh, their offense looked good last week, right against uh, against the Rams. I don't know if they get to that uh, that that higher mark this game. Just the travel and the unpredictability of of being kind of in a completely different environment. You have to wonder what that's going to be like for a team that's never been over there. 
So that'll be interesting. Um, I'm I'm pretty excited to watch this game. I think it's cool that the Seahawks are in London. Yeah, I've been wanting this to happen for a while, and I'm glad they didn't sacrifice a home game for Seattle to do it Same. <laughs> as well. I think that uh, any any person that's a fan of the Seahawks would would agree of that. So nice to be right before the bye, as well. It is, and you know what? Uh, this is one of several 10 a.m. games, but it's like a weird 10 a.m. game because they're playing another team that is going to have to adapt to the time zone. So right. that'll be nice. Couple of last games, Broncos plus seven hosting the LA Rams. Same exact spot for the Rams on the road with the same Vegas line as last week. What's this one going to be like? I mean, do the Rams cover? Do the Broncos cover? Boy, it's, it's going to be tough. I think the Broncos have a better defense in Denver. I'll, I'll go ahead and say Denver can cover this game. You think they win, or do you think they just mm, cover? they won't win? No, yeah. I, I think it's going to be. I'd say thirty-one twenty-eight. I think the Rams are too good uh, offensively yep. uh, for for Denver. Though Cooper Cup is still going through concussion protocol, I believe. Same with Cooks um, and Cooks is as well. If both of those guys are out. I mean, that does change the dynamic a little bit. They right. just have so much talent. And offensively. can I say, if you're going uh, coming out of a concussion, the last place you want to play is Denver. Yeah, <laughs> high altitude. Yeah. yeah. So maybe that does factor into it too. I wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos win that game. That could be a, a winnable game for them. Um, let's see what else stands out. Well, how about that Sunday nighter? Chiefs and Patriots, New England minus three and a half at home to KC. Does Patrick Mahomes get his first loss? Boy, that shows you how much they respect the Patriots at home, huh? Favored by three and a half. Yeah, but not looked great this year. The count. Well, I think they're. I think they've looked really good the last two weeks. So I. I know you can't throw out what they do in September. Really. Oh yeah, for the most part. But yeah. I think this. I think this is going to be the AFC title. I think this will be the AFC title. Remember the Patriots-Steelers game last year in it had New England? That, it had that feeling of, it, yeah. We all knew one seed in the AFC was on the line. Now, that was in December, <laughs> week 15 of the season. This is week six. I think the same thing is on the line. Yeah, I mean, if the Chiefs win this game, you're talking about the Patriots being three games back and not having the tiebreaker. Yeah. Uh, with the Chiefs, you you would think that as long as Kansas City takes care of business, they would be hosting a theoretical championship game. These do look far, well, not far in a way, but these do look like two of your three best teams in the AFC. I guess you could throw uh, Jacksonville in there, assuming Bortles can not throw up on himself. You never know. Um, I mean, it's just, uh, honestly, like the discrepancy between good Blake Bortles and Bad Blake Bortles is unbelievable. Would you rather have Blake Bortles or Eli Manning? Bortles. Me too. He can at least. Would you rather have Bortles or Mariota? Bortles. I would think I would too. Uh, It kills me to say, but Mariota has struggled with injuries. Talk about inconsistent too. Inconsistent. Now I will say he's he needs an offensive coordinator to stay more than one year. So I think that would help, but sure, kind of the Alex Smith situation. <laughs> to be fair, in, uh, Mariota did beat. Well, I guess Gabbert beat uh, beat Bortles earlier this year, nine to six. So, yeah, yeah. All right, that's going to be a good game, though. You're right, a lot on the line there. Who do you take it? Chiefs All on right. the road. I like it. They Chief- did beat New England Week One. Was it last year? I think in uh, in Fox. But the too. Chiefs, to, to to what you're saying, while the Patriots have kind of started to go up, the Chiefs have definitely. Flatlined in terms of of the way they've looked. I don't mean flatlined in a bad way, but they've definitely looked vulnerable offensively the last couple weeks. Yeah, but I mean Jacksonville's defense is really good. They still scored twenty three points on them mm-hmm. and had a defensive score to win. You know, thirty to which 14. is good because their defense has been pretty suspect. Um, and Denver's defense is good, is and it? they came back from a ten point deficit. Well, I think Denver's pass rush is good, and they came back from a ten point deficit in that game in the fourth quarter to win. So. 
you know, at some point you're not going to blow everybody out. You got to show some resolve to win. I think Mahomes did that. I would not be surprised to see Kansas City win this game, but I cannot bet against Bill Belichick at, at home. home. Yeah. You know, there's only a handful of teams that can go into Foxborough as underdogs and win in prime time. Like the Seahawks. Ooh, 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 ooh. That's a good note to end on. Like the last good memory. Yeah. <laughs> as a Seahawks fan. Boy, Niners Packers would be fun Monday if Garoppolo was playing. That would have been good at Lambeau. Yeah, I saw that uh, Niners Rams got flexed out of Sunday Night Football and Thank that goodness. Niners Seahawks, I think, was supposed to be a Sunday night game as well. And that's, that's going to get flexed. <laughs> no, I mean, obviously, Jimmy G, if he's there. I still don't think that that Niners Seahawks game They tied him to but. so many primetime games. Yeah, which makes sense. Thursday I, nights, Monday nights, you can't flex out of those guys. That's going to be tough. But uh, Instead, you get uh, Bethard. Yep. He's underrated, I think, for a backup. He's underrated. Yeah, but he's still ultimately not primetime worthy. No question. <laughs> <laughs> we both have Seahawks wins. We'll talk about it again Monday. He's Brian Perkins. I'm Chuda Newby. This is the Game Plan Podcast.